Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast. My name is Stephen Rilson. I'm back again. I'm your host and we're recording on Monday afternoon after Manchester United were defeated 3-2 against Arsenal at the Emirates in North London. And today I'm joined by my colleagues, my esteemed colleagues, Samuel Lockhurst and Rich Fay. Samuel, I didn't expect to spend my Monday morning arguing about XG with you, expected goals. <laughs> How are you? I, I have to educate you every now and then soon. I'm very well, though, thank you. Slightly <laughs> tired after a, a very long, long journey to London and back, thanks to the... Uh, uh, the, the rail lines and, and and then taking much longer than normal, but we're 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 good. We're, we we could be a lot lot worse. The trains are awful at the moment, aren't they? The government really needs to address that problem. Rich, how are you, my friend? Good weekend. Yeah, great weekend. Thank you very much. Uh, just like Arsenal, I feel like Wrexham are going to definitely win the league this season, so I can be very buoyant. But yeah, it was an interesting game. I'm really looking forward to discussing it and seeing sort of what the mood is. I suppose after that one. You're quite accustomed to watching league leaders now, aren't you, Rich, after following Wrexham all season? We're flying in the conference. Arsenal are flying in the Premier League and United obviously had the challenge of getting some points from the Emirates. Samuel, on Sunday, you were down there, as we've just mentioned. It was unfortunately only one pass uh, at Arsenal, so Tyrone was home with me, blogging the game. But obviously it was a good game, a very entertaining game, played with high intensity between two quality sides, really. Um, but I feel like once Arsenal got the game back to 2-2, it almost felt inevitable that they would get that winner across the final stages of the game, didn't it? Well, it was it was obviously United who, who made it 2-2, but there, there was never any real sense that after Martinez yeah. got that equaliser, United would look to you know, go for the third and, and get the winning goal. It's a very different Arsenal side. It's a very different Emirates Stadium uh, compared to uh, previous trips there as, as a supporter. And, and in the press box, there's not... The, the, the relationship between the team and the supporters is not remotely strained, even in times where they weren't so hard. There was always some friction or there was always some frisson that was always going on there. But that's not the case anymore. When, when Arsenal went 1-0 down, Arsenal supporters were very encouraging on their feet, um, geeing the team up. And obviously they, they equalised quite quickly. And, and that probably set the tone for United's uh, afternoon the start i mean arsenal were very very quick out the out the traps and united did well to come through that first 20 minute period rashford scored a brilliant goal but i think their lead only lasted seven minutes uh arsenal's lead at 2-1 only lasted six minutes so that tells you a bit about the way the game went but 
if, if United had actually managed to defend their lead uh, for, for a longer period of time, it might have given them more confidence had Arsenal equalised or maybe United would have gone 2 up. we don't know. But it, it, was a, it was a regressive week, unfortunately, for United at, at just about every level. There was, there was just a carelessness about them. Um, my, my Ted asked actually quite a good question that um, is probably worth asking Ten Hag, but just in, in terms of the distribution, why is it that Martinez takes the goal kick to give it to De Gea when Martinez is the better passer and you'd think De Gea would give him the ball? There, there must be some logic behind it, but it was a, it was a reasonable observation because De Gea's uh, distribution yesterday was, was dreadful. He was... Him and Wambasaka, they were formidable at Palace, but they were forlorn uh, south of the Thames on on Sunday. Uh, there were fundamental issues there. Uh, I think the game management wasn't great. It was pretty clear at two two that United were quite content with the draw. I, I, I mean, obviously the moment where Veghorst was just decided against chasing, a, 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 it was a lost cause. Let's face it, but it didn't go down too well with the United supporters, and that was in the seventy fourth minute. And I think the other instance, that instant, it wasn't an incident really because Nketiah barely touched him, but I think it was in the 85th minute when De Gea got the ball and he went down, clearly killing a bit of time when Nketiah tapped him. I don't think the cameras were able to pick it up, but if De Gea had actually brushed off Nketiah and punted the ball into Arsenal territory, Fernandes was running into a half that was completely vacant by Ramsdale. And he probably would have had a one-on-one -on -one chance. If the ball's with Alisson or Edison, they do that. For De Gea not to do that said, says a lot about him and, and his distribution. It also said a lot about United's mentality at that time in the game. And I always felt at 2-2 there was another goal in the game. I could not see United getting that goal. So when Arsenal did score, it, it wasn't remotely surprising. It was fully deserved. Uh, United repeated the same mistakes of just inviting pressure onto them. It was a different kind of pressure, of course, uh, from Palace. Arsenal have, have been tremendous this season. They are a, a truly serious side and credit to Nketiah coming into that team and doing the job that he's doing. He's, he's doing fabulously well, deputising for, for Gabriel Jesus. But, I mean, Ten Hag was justifiably angry afterwards. I'm sure there, there were a lot of United supporters that, took, that would extract positives from that performance and uh, I'm sure we'll get onto them, and, and, and rightly so. But Ten Hag said, if you want to be winning trophies, if you want to be winning titles, you've got to have a different mentality. And it was, again, we've said it before, it's reassuring how critical he is in victory. And also, yesterday was an example of how reassuring it is for United with, uh, with his criticism in defeat. There were a few positives, obviously the well-taken goals. It was a fantastic strike from Rashford and a great little looping header from Martinez, wasn't it, uh, after that mistake from Ramsdale. If we look at the, uh, the midfield then, Rich, because the big pre-match talking point was Casemiro's suspension. After picking up five yellow cards, he was obviously unavailable and serving that one-match ban. Um, Ten Hag went with McTominay, Bruno Fernandes and Christian Eriksen in midfield. So we surprised at that. And I, I think there's a, a conversation emerging about Eriksen now. Um, that he perhaps can't sustain an intensity for maybe longer than 60, 70 minutes. So would you agree with that train of thought surrounding him at the moment? Absolutely. I mean, I think Ericsson was only ever sort of signed to have that sort of role anyway. I think he performed so well at the start of the season once he'd, once he'd settled and the team had settled that he made himself undroppable and United found consistency with, with their setup at, at that stage as well, particularly since Casemiro had been, had been brought in. So I think that 
it's almost inevitable. It's a bit of a reality check as to as to how good Ericsson is. He's a fantastic player, but he's someone who they do need to manage carefully. I mean, all of his great work last season was the caveat of being at Brentford. You know, this is another step up, an elite club where the expectation is higher. They've got this ridiculous uh, run of games coming up. Of course, they've thrown two of those in on their own with the Barcelona ties that they, they're going to have to play because they didn't win their Europa League group. So you can't have too much sympathy for United on, in that regard. But it just shows the importance of, of squad depth, really. And United still look like a team who are a bit too brittle in terms of the options in reserve. I mean, for me, it was just sort of an afternoon in which it was a bit of a reality check that lots of these players have almost reached their ceiling already under Ten Hag. He's, he's managed to extract an extra layer of performance out of the likes of Wan-Bissaka, Fred, maybe to a degree McTominay, because he was good at the start of the season, De Gea as well, but they've all got a ceiling. And if United are going to actually push on into that next bracket, you sense that some of them are going to have to be left behind, really. And In terms of the midfield battle, I think it just proved how important defensive midfielders are to, to both these teams because of course when United beat Arsenal at the Emirates yes they didn't have Casemiro but Arsenal didn't have Thomas Partey and we saw at the weekend that Arsenal had their defensive midfielder United didn't and I think that you know in hindsight it's easy to sort of critique the, the midfield setup and it could have been done a week ago in the Derby game you could say why is Fred playing but it was justified by full time and I think Ten Hag was right to go for the selection he went because he hasn't really got many other choices. I think Fred is, for me, a better Ericsson alternative than he is a Casemiro alternative. So I, I didn't see any sense in starting Fred over McTominay really and it just shows that United maybe don't have the the quality and reserve that, that the other teams do and you know, you're, any team's going to miss their best players and they drop out. So there's always going to be a degree of of that with Casemiro being absent but I don't actually know what else United could really have done Yeah I'd agree with that it's probably fair um, Casemiro was always going to be a huge huge miss wasn't he massive it's really hard to replace him in that midfield um, Samuel would it be fair to kind of suggest that De Gea and Wan-Bissaka were among the, the poorer performers on the night obviously for the mistakes Wan-Bissaka was caught sleeping for the first goal wasn't he at the back post um, probably Which playing him on side for the f- yeah, for the third goal as well. And for all the praise we've given Wan-Bissaka in the last few weeks, long-term, it's probably inevitable that United do get another right-back in, isn't it? And also with De Gea, I kind of had that feeling as well. His limitations were exposed again. Um, he was really put off the ball at his feet last night, wasn't he? Or yesterday? Well, Ten Hag said after the game that, that I mean, there were certainly some issues at the start where De Gea, I mean, he punted the ball out uh, just, just straight out of play to no one. He was wondering why somebody wasn't there. And Ten Hag yeah. said that Arsenal pressed in a slightly different way and United had to read that better and they had to adjust to it. But you could tell Nketiah, whenever the ball was in De Gea's vicinity and the ball was at his feet, his eyes lit up like the floodlights. There were, tw- there were two occasions where um, he, he crept in, he strayed into the penalty area at goal kicks, even though the kick hadn't been taken, which is naive, but that was his eagerness because he sensed that there were going to be opportunities there. Um, even that that aerial ball uh, in the second half where there's not Arsenal shirt around De Gea and inexplicably just punches it. And when you do that, you're not breeding confidence, uh, you're breeding anxiety. And it felt United were boxed in for a long, long time in that second half. The, the press box at the Emirates is a long way if you're looking at it from the camera on the television, it's a long way to the right. It's pretty much in line with that goal, um, normally where I'm sat, 
where uh, where Martinez scored in the second half. And so my my head my neck was like pretty much craned permanently the other side. It, it was not like a tennis match as high quality of games it was. The bulk of the action obviously was taking place in in the United half in the second half. And I was amazed that the possession stats had it down as 58% possession for Arsenal. I, I, I thought it must have been certainty that they'd be um, north of 60%, but apparently not. And you, you're right with some of these players. They, they, they have done well recently, or they've done well over a longer uh, period than just recently. I mean, De Gea overall has had a decent season. But these players are a means to an end. You saw it in Guardiola's first season. I mean, City didn't win anything. They finished third or fourth, I believe it was. They obviously qualified for the Champions League. And then come the summer, it, I mean, it was easier for them because a lot of those players were out of contract. And Liverpool are in a fortuitous position in the summer in that they've got players who are surplus who are out of contract. And you just get rid of them. United's issue is that most of these players are not coming to the end of their contracts. I mean, those who are are barely worthy of note because they're just not involved in the setup or they're injured or they played twice in the last three years or whatever it may be. And Wambasaki, you still look at him and you think he's, his reputation has recovered enough that his resale value has gone up. He's played some games recently. He's clearly going to be good enough for West Ham or Crystal Palace or possibly the majority of the teams in the Premier League. Be proactive, sell him, get a right back in that Ten Hag would want. They're going to have to sell to fund certain signings in the summer. Um, and already you can see three positions probably that Ten Hag would want. He'll want a striker. He definitely wants a younger, more dynamic midfielder, which was an issue yesterday because United couldn't keep the ball. They couldn't transition from def defence to attack other than just taking punts with um, counter-attacks. He'll probably want a right-back. And if Harry Maguire wants a move because he started, was it, two, two Premier League games in, in five months, then you've probably got to look at centre-back as well. So they need to be more proactive with selling players. They're in a stronger position to sell players um, at the moment. Hopefully, if United say they have a good uh, final four months of the season and those players' resale value is maintained or it goes up a little bit. But I, I completely agree with Rich. I mean, it's, it's a very good point. They've... They are, they've done very well to be in the position that they're in at the moment and there are positives and they're in the cup competitions. They're 10 points better off than Chelsea and Liverpool. Uh, I think they're six points clear or five points clear off Tottenham, of Tottenham, I should say. Finishing in the top four is a success yeah, as far points. as the Premier League goes this season. They were never, ever title challengers and I don't think any United, proper United fans thought they were either. Uh, that, that giddiness around the City game, that revolved, that revolved solely around that game and the manner of that win and the fact it was against City. I don't think United fans floating away from the ground that day were dreaming of a title challenge. They were just buzzing because they'd beaten City. And for the players, they've, you know, they've not backed it up. If, if they had any aspirations of challenging for the title, uh, they, they took their foot off the gas. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do either of you think United were guilty of overplaying yesterday? With Wan-Bissaka at the back, De Gea at the back, who obviously limited with the ball at, at their feet. And I think for the last goal, there was a moment when Martinez probably could have hit the channel uh, and cleared it. Do you think that was a problem? Uh, I guess, again, it is just part of the rebuild that they're, they're in. That Ten Hag needs to try and implement the way he wants his team to play football. And yeah. some of those are still sort of square pegs in round holes. They just aren't quite... the. the the, the sort of profile of player that, that he needs. So I think it is just a consequence of the rebuilding process. And again, I did a, wrote a piece today just saying that, you know, this is an Arsenal team who are now three years into their rebuild, rebuild under Arteta. United are, okay, they've been rebuilding for a decade, but this is this latest rebuild has only been sort of six months or so under Ten Hag, and he still hasn't got the full squad of players that, that he wants. So I, I understand that, and that, that's what frustrates me as well watching United, is that, we all know that De Gea's got a weakness playing out from the back. So I'd say just let him lump it for certain situations. Just He should have his own independent thought process as well, though, where he's yeah, given yeah. a license just to play yeah. safe. And you, your manager might have a preferred tactical approach, but any tactical approach revolves around not conceding goals. So just try to get rid of the ball and play the percentages, really. I think United is still maybe lacking that streetwise approach. I mean, what really impressed me from Arsenal's point of view was, was their sort of ball keeping time wasting in the last two three minutes of the game it was like what Pep's City used to do I remember was it in the Centurion season when they came to Old Trafford and they kept the ball in the corner flag for about five six minutes and you know they were just toying United at that stage and Arsenal just are savvy in their streetwise now and they're just doing enough every game and for me United are just very much a work in progress but I think again it was just a day where you just saw two completely sort of different sides at where they're at, and I don't think there's too much um, sort of to too much negativity to have. Um, you know, it's a time to sort of build bridges, not burn them. For United, this season is just about getting back into the Champions League, hopefully winning a trophy, implementing their new philosophy, having more of a squad overhaul, and, and then you go on from there. But United certainly aren't years and years off a, a proper title challenge, I don't think, but they are still very much sort of best of the rest. Obviously, Rich, a huge positive was, was Rashford's goal. Um, it was stunning. I think that's the word for it. It just kind of came out of nowhere. His turn to, to get into that position and the finish was fantastic. It was like an arrow. Um, he's now scored nine goals since the World Cup, which is the most of any player in Europe's top five leagues, which just highlights the, the quality of his form and, and how well he's playing. So how impressed? I know it's, it's a bit like a broken record at the moment. We keep on saying it week on week, but it's only praise. How impressed have you been with, with Rashford's turnaround? And Weghorst is second game, his second appearance, who was also an attack with Rashford. What did you make of that? Because I would think it's fair to say it. For me, it was a tad improvement. I think Samuel said it. He still wasn't a goal for it, but his link-up play was good again. I think on Weghorst, it would be interesting to know what Samuel thinks of this, but he does kind of remind me of that sort of Giroud at the 2018 World Cup. I mean, obviously they had Mbappe up front as well, so it did help. But you can have strikers whose who's main 
sort of objective isn't to score goals. They link up play, bring others into it. And Vegels has a has an element of that, which is great. But the problem is United don't score enough goals. So for all the praise of Veghorst is great at pressing, he's good at doing this and that off the ball, he still has to score goals because this United team is so over-reliant on Rashford that it's pretty embarrassing, really. You look at... I mean, you look at Arsenal yesterday, I mean, everyone's saying how much of a loss Jesus was, and Enketia comes in, he's getting goals, Saka's scoring, Martinelli's been a threat. For United, if Rashford gets injured, who is scoring a goal? I just can't, there would be no one you back. You can't rely on Marshall. Anthony, I mean, we always say, oh, he's been okay, but what, I mean, for the price he's done, he was brought in for, what has he really contributed in terms of goal threat on a consistent basis? There's not been much. Garnacho's still raw. Alanga to me, just not good enough, really. Um, I think he's sort of been found out. Not scored since last February, was it, against Atletico Madrid? Yeah. So I think Vekos has been good as a as a sort of mobile striker who, like we said, does, does the, the dirty work. But United didn't need that. They needed a goal scorer. And I understand that options were limited this month. But, you know, he's still going to be judged on that, really. And he's effective. But United wouldn't have to be pressing as well if they had the ball themselves they wouldn't have to be worrying about all the off the ball work so much if they had someone who was if they were dictating a play and they were just scoring goals anyway I mean yeah Vekos still early days still early days on him but like I said the positive is Rashford looks like he's got to score every single game but again for me being the pessimist is if he gets injured I just do not know where United are getting goals from United need Rich Free up front a quality striker prolific striker Rich Free get him in (laughs) Gary Gulls, uh, he's there when you need him. <laughs> if we move on, uh, Samuel, a bit of transfer news at the weekend. You brought the story, oh, sorry, wrote the, wrote the line about Harry Kane, um, that United obviously monitoring his situation. He's out of contract at Tottenham in 2024. Do you think he could be the answer uh, to that problem? Because it is a real problem. It's been the story of this season. They can't kind of score a lot of goals. I mean, they scored two, obviously, against Arsenal, which is pretty good, but they have struggled in attack. It's, it's amusing that today it's come out how uh, Kane might be open to signing yeah. a new contract at, at Tottenham and that story would have been fed by his brother because his brother looked like a complete amateur uh, 18 months ago trying to flog him to City and trying to go toe-to-toe with, with Daniel Levy uh, when Kane had three three years left in his contract. Uh, and, and obviously they had to... There was a massive climb down from... Uh, the, the Kane brothers, as Kane put that statement out, uh, just essentially admitting that he hadn't got his way, but trying to word it in a way that he was committed, completely committed to Tottenham. Uh, I'd be amazed if, if, if Kane if Kane has any ambition about him, and, and obviously he does. I think nobody would question that, but I don't know why he'd sign a contract to Tottenham. It, the, it's disarray again there. Uh, the problem is Levy. Uh, he was the problem under Mourinho. He's the problem under Conte. He was the problem under Pochettino. He's the problem under Harry Redknapp. However far back you want to go, uh, he's the common denominator in 22 years of, uh, of failure at a club that have won what two two League Cups in, in 30 years and thought they had the uh, the, the clout to, to be in the, the Super League. Uh, yeah, they've got a lot going for them, Tottenham, but they're they're their heady days under Pochettino still amounted to, to no trophies and Kane has been a world-class striker for six or seven years and he should be he should be winning uh, team trophies. He's He's got enough individual honours but he's got to aspire to further his career. I think United are the only Premier League team uh, that he would realistically join in the summer. Um, I think 
if, if you know, a, a smart move on his part if he wants to avoid any real conflict with uh, Tottenham and Tottenham supporters would be Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich haven't replaced Lewandowski. I think playing in the Bundesliga for a few years, competing for the Champions League, that that would probably appeal to him. That that's got to be a decent option if, if Bayern are able to negotiate that. But United have, I mean, they've they've never not been interested in Kane since he came through at Tottenham. Really, uh, he's yeah, he, he ticks all the boxes as far as they're concerned, and. He's, he's always been unattainable because of the length of his contract. I mean, again, uh, talking of amateur hour from his brother, but they, they agreed to a six-year contract in 2018. Uh, I know Tottenham were in a relative position of strength at that time, but that was also the season when they lost an FA Cup semi-final to United. They uh, fell, fell down in the table a bit as well. United finished above them in the league table. So, I mean, that was the period when Tottenham had all those long-term renewals and you, you already had Danny Rose coming out and uh, grumbling about uh, the, the pay structure at the club and the apparent lack of ambition and having to Google players and that legendary interview with Dave, Dave Kidd and the Sun. And really, Tottenham still encounter similar issues. And you could say, well, United haven't won anything in six years and they, they, they obviously haven't, but they look much better poised now to be a force again than Tottenham. You look at that Tottenham team and um, watching them recently, I, I, they, they probably need an entirely new back six if there's play with wing-backs and if Conte's to stick around, which given his shelf life at clubs, he probably isn't. And that's that's another issue for Kane to contend with. It'd be interesting to see if, if Pochettino does go back there because I, I think it feels like he's quite wedded to Tottenham and Maybe he can be uh, the, the coach to convince Kane to stay. But if if you're Kane, you've just got to keep your powder dry. You either run down your contract or you try and get a move in the summer. And wherever you go, you're going to get a better pay packet. You're going to go to a better club. and You're going to have a better chance of winning trophies. So uh, his, his brother and he are clearly trying to keep the, the fan base sweet because uh, they, they transgressed quite spectacularly 18 months ago. He'd be a brilliant singer, wouldn't he, Harry Kane? Um, Samuel, there's a reason why I'm going to ask you this question, so just stick with us. What time did you go to sleep last night? Uh, um, uh, I think I got in at one twenty, and I was one twenty. Yeah, okay, after, so yeah, after after trying to freshen up to get to bed, it was probably just just gone half half one in the morning, which would would account for my appearance so that, that... today and, and and probably how I sound. <laughs> Well, that's not the reason I was asking, Samuel, because you, you got a little email, didn't you, into your inbox, probably around that time of night. Um, a 500-word yeah. email about something so trivial about a player rating. Was that a surprise? Can you give her a tiny little bit of detail about that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it never ceases to amaze how, uh, how, pe- how seriously some people take those player ratings. Yeah. And they're not ideal to do when, it's, when there's been a last-minute goal as well. You're, you're marking up, you're marking down. Um, some will say, why is he one rating better than the other player? And I'm thinking, well, <laughs> the other player didn't really offend me. I mean, Veghorst, I thought, was just six <laughs> out of ten. He didn't do anything massively wrong, but he didn't do anything massively right as well. So, uh, yeah, you, you you get some some real head cases out there uh, who, I mean, it says it all if they're, if they're emailing someone or emailing a journalist at half one in the morning. I think they've got... Uh, they've, they've got some issues there, and it certainly was uh, it, it was a rash thing to do, definitely. Rich, you don't like getting messages off me at one thirty in the morning, do you? No, I don't actually. I quite frequently wake up to 
to them, but that is why I have the do not disturb function on my iPhone, to be honest. Just just collages of pictures of me and you together, photoshopped our heads together, and love hearts <laughs> around it. Um, if we look at the wider pitch then, a picture then, Rich, move on a bit. Um, obviously six points off fifth, uh, which is the United are kind of on course for a Champions League position, which at the start of the season, we said that would be fantastic. They're obviously in the semi-final of the League Cup, Nottingham Forest coming up this week. So what kind of positions do you think need strengthened in the summer? And finishing in the top four, winning the League Cup, that would be a really good season, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be a brilliant season, I think, from United. I mean, obviously not the, the days of, of old where they're winning titles and going for the Champions League, but they've almost been a, done a disservice in recent weeks in that their form was so remarkable and good that they were wrongly brandished to be title challengers, as Samuel said. No one really ever believed that because, as Ten Hag said every week in the press conferences, they weren't even halfway through the season. There was so much mitigation to the fixture schedule with the World Cup. So I think from United's point of view, just to be in the top four, and you know, it does almost look boxed off now. They look like they are gonna, they're going to do it, really. Even if they have a bit of a blip, the other teams will drop points as well. And they've just taken the advantage of a rather sort of uncertain field in the Premier League this season. So I think that really is how it has to be, be viewed. And I think they've spoken in the past. I know Gary Neville's used the term um, of the sort of bridge, was it a bridge manager? I think he used, was it Ranić last season? Someone who this needed to, to oversee to the, to the summer. And I think this is sort of a bridge season for United. Like we said, it's about getting things in place for, for a future title bid. So it's about clearing out the squad. It's about getting into the Champions League, getting the riches of that, particularly ahead of the seasons when it's going to be reformed and going to be a more lucrative competition to be in as well. That also makes you a more attractive club for, for any summer signings. Um, obviously, United are still able to get most of their top targets last summer, but if you've got Champions League football to offer as well, it makes you even more sort of exciting to, to join. So that should put them in good stead for the end of the season. And then winning a trophy. Again, I mean, United you know, fans probably used to roll their eyes at winning the League Cup because it was such a foregone conclusion, it seemed, under Sir Alex Ferguson that, you know, you maybe take it for granted, but... I'm very much of the belief that there's, for most teams anyway, there's only three trophies you can probably win in a season. Four, if you're one of the elite clubs. I, I To win any of them is a huge, huge achievement. And I know they don't always get the credit they deserve. And it always is going to be second string nature, the, the League Cup. But it still is a huge thing for United to start winning trophies. And so Alex Ferguson said before, was it the 2006 League Cup or so, I think, when it was sort of a springboard for future success? They went on to win the double, um, was it a year later, two seasons later? And they just got this knack for winning games. I mean, you look at that United group, and yes, it's got serial winners, Varane and Casemiro in it, but it's got a lot of players who have never won sort of major honours in, in their careers. So United need to just get a trophy um, in their cabinet and to end that drought, move the discussion on and get that winning mentality but for me I think top four in a trophy would be a very successful season in the circumstance looking at how far they've come since last season obviously they need to be aiming higher in the long term but I think there does need to be a sort of sense of perspective at this moment in time. After that glowing endorsement of the League Cup Rich are you vying for a sponsorship at Carabao? Uh, sponsorship with <laughs> I would love to have a Carabao yeah that would be great um, we had it once actually I think someone did you have one we went to Chelsea away Chelsea Chelsea Rashford yeah, scored I, a free kick I, I can't say that I've ever I tried had a, I had one yeah I, 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 I don't think you missed that very, let's, say, let's put it this way it was a very quick trip back to the hotel afterwards yeah let's put it that yeah. way yeah one, not I, good I, I noticed, that in I noticed, system though <laughs> 
No, I noticed one pundit Sorry, uh, drinking it, and I, I noticed one pundit drinking it, and uh, told uh, I'm sure I won't mind saying uh, Paul Hurst of the Times. I won't name the pundit, and he pretty much said, "Oh, that's that must be why he comes out with so much expletive." Added to his name. <laughs> well, I used to have it on my cornflakes, but I started having funny turns by one pm <laughs> during the day, so I had to stop that. Um, Samuel uh, Nottingham Forest on Wednesday, as we've mentioned, regarding expectations for that, am I being a bit disrespectful? To, to the opposition to just say, look, they've, they've had a good run recently. Steve Cooper has obviously improved them. Uh, they were really struggling at one point. But United should, mm. should kind of, you know, dispatch them with, with some ease. They they look a lot more balanced now. Uh, I, I couldn't understand why he kept on playing Steve Cook in the first few months of the season. He's, I've got nothing against him, but he's just not a Premier League standard player, whereas there are other players <laughs> in that team who, I mean, Aurier is, I mean, he's... He's, he's, he's crackers, really, isn't he? He's, and he's, he's, he's not a defender, mistake, isn't he? but yeah. yeah, but he has got some merit as an attacking right back. I don't know what the hell happened with Renan Lodi, who was brilliant against United last season for Atletico, and he's ended up on loan at Forest. But they've they look a lot more balanced. Obviously, they've not got um, they've not got their best keeper. Whether Henderson would have been fit or not, he wouldn't have been allowed to play in this. Uh, it's quite a funny line that United fan came out with when. Uh, we did the story that United weren't going to let him play in the competition, and they said, "Well, Henson did did say he didn't want Ten Hag to see him because he'd think he was too good." So he, I suppose he's got his way in that sense. But I mean, I, I don't think it will be a particularly weak team that um, Ten Hag plays. Uh, given that they've got Reading on Saturday, you'd say play Casemiro against Forest, rest him against Reading, and then play him in the second leg. Uh, I don't think there'll be mass rotation. I, I, you know, United will still go to Forest with a pretty formidable team. I mean, Ten Hag is talking about how limited the attack is at the moment. So I don't think he's going to be inclined to chuck in Palestri and, and Elanga. I, I could certainly see Garnacho getting a start. But United shouldn't... I mean, last week was obviously a, a bad week for United, uh, dropping, dropping three points in the 90th minute at Palace and dropping a point in the 90th minute at Arsenal, so this week is a is a good week to reset, and that it's two cup competitions against two eminently uh, beatable opponents, and you know that Ten Hag isn't going to take it particularly lightly because he's got that he's assembled that core squad. You can kind of work out where the changes might be, depending on on which players are fit, and uh, yeah, I mean it's for United fans it's it's an opportunity to go back to the the city ground as well they've they've not played there since the the 8-1 in in February 99 so the year you were born Steve and I, I'm not even sure you'd have been born at <laughs> that point that's that's how long ago it was that United last played at Forest it was February 99 Samuel so it's definitely I was just a little uh, just a little baby at that point we keep like uh, we keep reminding the listeners don't we of my birthday in the last few weeks Wait, it, yeah. it keeps getting a reference on the pod <laughs> Uh, anyways, Rich, uh, I was checking the rotor this morning. I was looking ahead and it was two, oh two, three weeks ahead. And now just we've got Barcelona obviously coming up. Man United-Barcelona on February the 16th. Now, we've been talking about obviously the last week's been a bit of a setback. Nottingham Forest coming up uh, in the League Cup. But that is a huge game in the space of three weeks' time. Has the team shown enough over the last two months to suggest that they can progress against Barcelona? Because... I say that they're flying at the top of the league at the moment. They beat Real Madrid 3-1, I believe, uh, was it last weekend, um, in the Super Cup out in Saudi Arabia. Um, and they're three points clear at the top of the table. So it's not going to be an easy game, is it? It's not going to be an easy game, but I suppose 
you only have to look at United's form against the bigger sides this season. Again, they've only just lost to Arsenal 3-2. They've beaten Arsenal at home, beaten City at home, beaten Tottenham, beaten Liverpool, drawn with Chelsea. So, you know, it's going to be a big test. But I think, again, it probably will suit United that they can probably sort of embrace the underdog title going to that game, that tag that they've, they've sort of adopted. Because if Barca are still flying high at La, in top of La Liga by that time, United are still a bit inconsistent in the league, then most people will be expecting them to sort of sit back, soak up possession and then hurt them on the break. And if Marcus Rashford's still got his goal-scoring form, then I do think United will will have a chance. And, you know, you're right, United off at your peril, particularly in Europe. I think Barcelona, certainly a team who, who are, you know, going about things in a decent way under Xavi. I mean, I can't pretend I'm a hipster who watches them every week because I haven't really got a clue. I've seen where they're doing in the table. And like you, I saw the the write-up and the highlights of that that win over Real Madrid. So it's going to be interesting and a fascinating one. But you would say that United are the underdogs for it, but it's when they're underdogs that they play at their best. So I think that if they approached it in a similar way to, to how they approached the derby with a strong 11, but get them to play a slightly different way, don't take unnecessary risks at the back, play to their strengths as a team who are so good on the break, then they've certainly got a chance. And again, there'll be so many narratives, won't there, particularly in midfield where... Frankie de Jong will come up against some, someone like Casemiro and you know that'll be a chance for Casemiro to show why United were right all along to actually go up and get him instead. So it's going to be an interesting one. It's still you know so far away that in football in a week we could be saying that United's season's over and it's doom and gloom if they've gone out of the League Cup to Forest. So you never know. But I would say that United are, are outsiders, but that's probably going to suit them more. And Samuel, what was the year when Manchester United defeated uh, Bayern Munich uh, at the New Camp in the Champions League final? Oh, yeah. 1999, of course, Samuel. Sorry, Come escapes, on, wake up, wake up. Escapes me. <laughs> uh, we'll try to keep, keep getting the 1999 references, I think. And that might have uh, replaced Rashford's contract chat because everyone knows how much I love talking about Rashford's contract. Anyways, we'll end it there. So thank you very much, Samuel. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Stephen. And thank you, Rich. Thank you very much. We'll be partying like it was 1999 in a minute, won't we? <laughs> we certainly are, Richard. And thanks again to listeners. Take care. Um, just a last word on the YouTube channel, as usual. If you head across there, we are nearing in on a 1,000 subscribers. So if you head across, subscribe. And we've just produced another video uh, reflecting on the performance at Arsenal. So go, go across the YouTube channel, check that out. And thanks again. Take care.